Plants Podcast. Welcome back, or welcome, if it's your first time. Um, my name is Ryan Furman. I'm a certified plant-based nutritionist and personal trainer. The website is mainlyplants.com. You can find me on social media across all the platforms at mainlyplants. Uh, be sure to follow me, at least on Instagram, because uh, you don't want to miss a lot of the giveaways and good shit that I put up there. Um, so let's kind of get right down to it today. This week, I had a special guest on. Her name is Summer Rain Oaks, and she has a new book out called How to Make a Plant Love You. Uh, it was really a, a quite a an interesting conversation. You know, typically on the podcast, I talk about, about if I'm not going on one of my rants, typically I'm talking about the benefits of eating plants, and she's all about surrounding herself with plants. She actually has over a thousand plants in her in her in her tiny Brooklyn apartment. So uh, just a fascinating person, uh, a fascinating read. The book, um, the book is 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 more than just um, it's more than just talking about plants, right? It's more than just how to keep a house plant. And she talks about that. Um, I think that you'll find it interesting. I think that it might spur you on to to get a house plant if you don't already. Um, but uh, but give it a listen, see what you think, and be sure to pick up her new book. How to Make a Plant Love You, and without further ado, my interview with Summer Rain Oaks. All right, Summer Rain Oaks, thank you for being here, and it uh, uh, looks like you're debuting a new book, How to Make a Plant Love You, Cultivating Green Space in Your Home and Heart. And uh, yes. first off, uh, a very apropos name <laughs> uh, for your for your given or chosen profession, Um and I, saw, I was reading about you online, and your Wikipedia said that you were named because you were born during a downpour. Yeah, my mom always says, "Oh, it's always raining on your birthday." Um, but but yeah, she had this desire to have her children on the first day of summer, which actually worked for my brother, believe it or not. Wow. And um, and I was born a couple weeks shy of summer. And, uh, but it was raining on my birthday and my brother's name is Travis Shane, S-H-A-Y-N-E. Uh-huh. And then she named me Summer Rain, R-A-Y-N-E. Uh-huh. But, you know, so it was a little bit of an artsy name. So she had like this whole master plan, I think, in her head, or at least that's what she claims. Does her middle <laughs> name rhyme with yours and your brother's? No, oh, okay. no, no, Bummer. not at all. And, there, you know, it's like, the, I think it was that generation. My dad's name is Bob and my mom's name is Diane. They're very, it's very pedestrian. Right. Gotcha. So they were, were they hippies? I think there it was that kind of era. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so tell me about the book. First of all, um, you have over 750 houseplants. Yeah, it's probably a little over 1,100 now. I've been growing them for about um, 10 years, Jesus but yeah, it's, it's a significant amount. <laughs> that, so, so I mean, I'm sure I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about logistics because that's the way my brain works. Um, but how did you how did you initially get into it? Made, what made you wanted to you know people buy house plants? They have you know three or four. I have like six of them, and I think that's plenty. But obviously, you prefer a ton. How did you what how did it develop into what it is now? Well, I think it probably started like most people's foray into house plants start. Like I you know moved into this space. I had a roommate move out, and so when she did a lot of the furniture and everything was hers. So she kind of removed everything and the house was so barren and I had moved in with her. So I kind of felt a little sheepish about 
putting my own decor mm-hmm. in the space. I didn't want to like impress my style or my desires like on my roommate. So I kind of respected that, that space and that boundary. Gotcha. And, um, when she, when she moved out, it was clear to me that I just wanted to get something that was a little bit more like, like just would bring in some more life. And that's how I got my first plant. And I think a lot of people actually, you know, when they have their own apartment space and they're like, oh, you know, what, what else do we need? And sometimes it's not a furniture piece. Sometimes it's just a plant. And some folks will probably look at it just as decor. I think for me, it was more along the lines of just trying to find something that would just give a little bit more life to the space and also just a little bit more life for me because, uh, I, you know, I grew up in the country. Mm-hmm. My background's actually in environmental science and entomology, which is the study of insects, but like basically nature stuff. And, you know, having that little patch of green in my house, like really made a huge difference in so many levels. And, um, you know, it just kind of, it literally and figuratively kind of grew from there because then I got my second, my third, and then it just started to really flourish. And I really began to enjoy just collecting and growing and observing my plants. And I think you start to then develop like this collector's mentality. And and what is really amazing about indoor plants is that most of them are like subtropical and tropical varieties, which Mm -hmm. are ones that don't grow in the Northeast. I live in New York. And um, and so it opens you up to a whole new world of of the plant kingdom. And that to me is like really exciting. It really piques my curiosity, if you will. So and and so you grew up in Pennsylvania, yeah? I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, So, yeah. So, and when, when you say New York, you're in Brooklyn specifically, yeah? Yes, yes, so, in the city, yeah. So you're bringing that country into your city life, which is nice. I mean, I you know, I've visited New York and I have family there, and every time I'm there, it's this big concrete jungle. So I could see the appeal of having plants. Um, how do you how do you go about <laughs> – there's, so there's so many logistic questions in my head. How do you go about watering them all? And knowing how much water, how do you remember each one in terms of how much water it gets, in terms of when it's been watered? I mean, and, and they're, they all require different light. They all require, I'm assuming, different humidity. How do you control all that? Well, first and foremost, I should just say that, um, you know, this is an extraordinary number of plants and it's very inspirational to some. But I just want to, you know, make a disclaimer that, you know, you have six and sometimes that's just enough for plenty. Somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so I don't like want to impress this ideal that like, oh, yeah, I should get more and more is better. Right. That's not always the case. I think for the case for me, I love it. You know, I wish I could actually expand into like new bounds and, you know, take over my neighbor's place mm-hmm. upstairs and, <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. But um, that's that's not possible. But I just want to impress on like sure. the people who are listening where it's like, you know, maybe one is enough, maybe 10 is enough, maybe in in in, in time you know, 300 will be kind Mm -hmm. of like what you want to do when you're traveling less. But um, so for me, logistically, you know, part of my whole routine is really taking care of my plants, you know, much in the same way that somebody would go to the gym or go for a run or maybe do some yoga or go out to eat with their friends. Like one of my favorite things to do is actually take care of my plants. So I wouldn't ever want to optimize it enough whereby you take out the human and the ability to be able to care for something. And I have a number of like companies who have approached me that like, they're like, never have to water your plant again. And I was like, Oh, that's so sad. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that element about optimizing it to enough, 
um, to a degree where it doesn't seem like a, a quotidian chore, you know, if you will, mm-hmm. is is something that appeals to me. So there's a, a number of like watering hacks that I have done. And actually, it's like one of my more popular older YouTube videos of like watering hacks in my home. But part of that is assembling like a 150 foot expandable hose. I have a number of plants that have that are subirrigated. I have a green wall that has about 70 to 80 oh, plants cool. at any given time. And um, and that's subirrigated and it's turned on by a a valve on my uh, sink in the kitchen and it goes up, you know, through my ceiling and through my wall and into the, into the, um, five gutters that are basically making this green wall. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I do other things like I have like reservoirs that have terracotta pots on top and by capillary action, the water, you know, raise up. So I, you know, it, it really helps. Um, sometimes I fall behind, sometimes I don't really depends on the amount of work that I'm doing. I am a little bit like, Oh no, I'm going on book tour pretty soon. And, you know, and then, um, I have to like, you know, manage that. But sometimes when I, when I leave for longer periods of time, I just bring in, um, plant friends to take care of them. And by plant friends, you mean like human people to water your plants? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. As yeah. opposed to like friends that are plants. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, you have a lot of those also. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and, you know, I, I have the book in front of me and I read a good portion of it. And, you know, when you hear about you and you hear your story and you hear that you have all these plants and your your whole book is about making plants love you, the first thing that comes over me is like, holy shit, how does she keep all these plants alive? But after thinking about it, some of them must die, right? Like you're not a perfect person. You can't, all plants have, sometimes don't make it, right? Or, or you just oh, have 100%. Oh yeah, no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm not <laughs> okay. professing that I'm perfect. Right. Um, actually, and I'm, I'm doing a little video series now called 365 Days of Plants. And so I highlight one plant a day. And I think what's really lovely about that is like in some cases I'll, sh- I'll share like how long I've been growing this plant, you know, what kind of conditions I'm growing it mm-hmm. in. And there's only so much windowsill space, right? right? So, you know, sometimes you have to make choices where you're like, okay, well, this plant will have to not sit on my windowsill because that space is taken. So this will go into the next best location, which may be six inches away mm-hmm. from my windowsill. And I will share that and the plant may actually exhibit some sort of, you know, kind of weird growth structure or whatnot. But I, I kind of welcome that to share that with other folks to show, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is my experience in growing it. This is how it looks, that kind of stuff. So it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. And I think that's okay too. Mm -hmm. If you go outside in, you know, the, the wilderness, um, or in just out, out in nature, you will see imperfect plants. Things will be insect tune. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be skeleton, uh, skeletonized. You know, the leaves will be gone. Um, stems will be broken. So you don't necessarily have to ach- achieve perfection. And, right. and uh, same thing in your life. And I think, you know, my book is in so many ways a metaphor for life. It's not just, yes, it's about plants, but it's about so much more. Mm-hmm. And that idea of, getting, letting perfection get in the way of process, letting perfection get in the way of enjoyment is something that I think that would kind of destroy people. It makes us, it makes us upset. And, you know, for me, plants bring me a lot of joy. The rituals that I share with my plants is part of my life and I wouldn't have it any other way. It sounds like it's kind of your Zen time, like when you were taking care of your plants. 
like some people go to the gym, like you said, some people do yoga. That's like your time to clear your mind out. Yeah, it's it's one of the many times, you know, and I feel like I'm a very proactive person. So if there's something that really stresses me, I could vocalize that and I could try to course correct. It doesn't always happen mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes life and work really does get in the way. But I think that idea of, you know, balance is kind of like it's just messier than that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's just like, oh, I could you know, say I'm perfect. And then I go to work out like five days a week and then I water my plants all the time, but it's not about that. It's about, it's about like living your life and learning and sometimes having to lean in and sometimes having to lean back. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, one of the things that is a little bit more, um, you know, consistent is that I do devote a lot of time to my plants on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and mainly on the weekend, you know, for me to, to have that kind of Zen moment. And I describe it in my book as a moving meditation. And I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and you know, along the lines of, of you said you're proactive, you, I, there was this quote in the book that I wrote down. I don't remember which page it was on, but you did mention that humans are procrastinators. Yes. And that kind of resonated with me. And, and I was wondering if you could just kind of extrapolate and expand on that and, and kind of how you got to that conclusion. Well, you know, as I just said, I'm like a very proactive person. I think when you are focused on environmental issues and even like where I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, I think I probably wrote that, you know, in the chapter where I was talking about reclaiming a mind site, which mm-hmm. was actually my, my was. job as a teenager. Right. And um, and we kind of, you know, get into a place in our lives where, you know, we we hit a wall and then we're like, oh, we should change something, you know, but why do we wait until we hit a wall? Um, why can't we be more proactive? And I think like getting that first plant for me in my house, you know, really was this idea of like, okay, I'm living in the city. You know, it's a very not calming environment. It's very chaotic. What are the, the things that I could do to to bring my, and I think there's been a lot of books about this, my huga, like, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of like that comfy nature back into living in a place that's really so chaotic. But I was always kind of like that person to um, identify those things so that I didn't really fall out of step with mm. myself. And um, so the idea that like so many of us are procrastinators is not just us as individuals, but also us as like a humanity as a group yeah especially when it comes down to like environmental things we're at the point where you're like oh geez um you know in the case of the what i was referring to in my book uh there was a uh there was so much acid mine drainage which is basically the the heavy metals that are leaching from the mine site that were going into the waterways Mm -hmm. that it was basically destroying the the fisheries there and mm-hmm. nothing nothing could actually live within that water because it was so acidic. And um, and so we've just gotten to a place where it was like a little bit too far. And then we still don't learn our, learn our lessons because now that whole area is being like hydraulic fractured, Ugh, bummer. like the, the fracking. So it's it's one of those things where as as a kid, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, I'm not really interested in like retrofitting like an old economy. What are different ways that we could solve, um, you know, these challenges you know, at the, you know, nip it at the bud, if you will. There's going to be a lot of like plant metaphors here. (laughs) How can we we nip it at the bud? Um, Because I do think that 
you know, things in life are really symptoms of something that's much larger. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the last book that I wrote is um, Sugar Detox Me. It was reducing sugar in our diets. Mm -hmm. And I always, I just looked at it as like, you know, people say that diabetes and obesity is a disease, but I always look at that as like a a symptom of a diseased Mm -hmm. food system as opposed to the disease itself. And you don't really treat the symptom, you treat the disease, which would be then the food system. So it's, it's these things that I all, I feel are all very interconnected, but I think that goes back to my point of just being um, proactive versus reactive. Yeah. And you know, that's something that I, I talk about incessantly on the podcast um, is, you know, because the podcast more often, or I should say all the time up until now has been about plants, but eating them, not so much keeping them around. Um, And, you know, I've talked about diseases of affluence, you know, diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, all that stuff that you just mentioned. And I am always talking about and stressing the point of, you know, so many people, the majority of people wait until they have this earth shattering event, you know, they have a quadruple bypass or a stroke, or they get diagnosed with type two by diabetes. And, you know, I think it is part of human nature to, to wait until something bad happens before you start correcting it. You know what I mean? And, and I've tried so hard to, to impart on people that, that you need to make those changes before stuff starts happening. So, you know, your, your world and my world are very intertwined in that way. Like you mentioned, um, have you, is it frustrating for you? Do you get bent out of shape at all when it comes to that in your life or, and, and when you're trying to impart on other people that they should be proactive and you don't see them doing it or you see so much destruction around you? I mean, cause a lot of the times I'm pulling my hair out, you know, and, and I, I talk to people, I do the podcast. A lot of times I'll rant on the podcast because it's just a good outlet for me to do that. People seem to like listening to it too. Um, <laughs> But, you know, and I, you're constantly bombarded with these commercials for, um, you know, medications to combat the symptoms of the diseases that people have because they eat like shit instead of just eating better. Um, and it's just this constant struggle that I go through. Do you go through a struggle like that also, this frustration? You know, I mean, yes and no. I mean, the frustration, I try not to let the frustration get to me because Mm -hmm. I feel like it doesn't serve me. So it's like, how do you then transform your level of like frustration or anger into something that's a little bit more of positive energy? Mm -hmm. And I think like for me, it's kind of like I take this aura of like, anger, which might exist for like a few seconds (laughs) Mm -hmm. or anything that feels negative. And then I just kind of like suck it in. And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, I try to push it out in a very proactive manner. And I think that's why I'm like very involved as a person, because I'm definitely a gap filler where I'm like, oh, you're not doing this. Okay. Let me fill it in. (laughs) Let me fill in the space. Like, let me fill in the the lines or whatever here. And, um, and I think it's important to be able to like meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. Like I remember my one professor in college was like, oh, you know, how are we ever going to get people to, um, understand or, um, I think he said, use the word believe and like the climate change. And I kind of like stepped back and, you know, I thought about like where I grew up and the way that, you know, some people think about, um, you know, issues where I grew up and um, and knowing that that issue probably doesn't even 
um, you know, come close to somebody's mind frame because they're, you know, they might be living on paycheck to paycheck. And I understand that. And so I was like, well, maybe you don't need to convince them. Maybe you need to talk about something that's a little bit more closer to home that is actually related to it. So Mm -hmm. say, for instance, if there's high asthma rates, because there's a lot of, um, car exhaust fumes going out in a specific area. Yes, that contributes to global warming, but global warming seems so nebulous to somebody Mm -hmm. who's, you know, dealing on a paycheck to paycheck and having to deal with, you know, his or her kid dealing with asthma. And so my whole take on it is like trying to meet people where they're at, which actually, you know, can be very exhausting, but I think really, um, has a- allowed me, you know, in in my career to really open up my mind and be able to be a better communicator about certain things. Like my North Star is really to connect people back to nature. And for me, I didn't start necessarily talking about plants, you know, just was in the last three years that people took interest to the plants that I've been growing for mm-hmm. so long. And I was able to make some type of professional move on it. However, you know, I really moved into the the world of fashion because I was like, well, let's meet people where they're at, no matter like what we are putting on our bodies, what we're wearing, you know, the, um, you know, how we transport ourselves to work, what we eat, you know, these are all things that really connect us and are, uh, you know, I would argue like easier links for people to understand because it's something that we do every day. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of a little bit more of my approach does. on life. Sure. And, and, and so, you know, you did mention that you kind of fell into the whole plant thing because people started taking notice. How important do you think it is for people to even have one plant? You know, I, I mean, do you, is it something that you strive for people to have is to have, I mean, for obviously a multitude of reasons, but do you kind of, is it, is it your hope, um, you know, for lack of a better word, goal maybe to kind of open everybody up to having plants around them? Do you think it's beneficial in terms of connecting back with nature for everybody? Is that something that you'd like to see happen? I I think, you know, if I am true to kind of like my overall goal of like connecting people back to nature, that could be done in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. If it's through what somebody wears, if it's through what somebody eats, if it's through what somebody grows, that's all good to me because mm-hmm. like it, I'm not trying to like impress my lifestyle on sure. somebody else or project my lifestyle on somebody else. If people find inspiration in it, if they find it to be, you know, something that they want to do and can do and get excited about it, then that's awesome. Because if I was able to stoke that fire in folks, which I know I have been able to do because so many people have written in and said, oh, you know, you inspired me to, you know, bring in plants and I, I'll never look back. Like I'll never look at them in a, um, mm-hmm. in, in like the old way ever again. And, and I think that's really marvelous. So, you know, again, I don't want to project like, and say like, oh yeah, 1100 plants. Awesome. Like live my lifestyle. Yeah. Cool. But even one, you know? right? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that they're even if they don't have one, you know, just, you know, there's exercises in my book as well of mm-hmm. just like, what does active observation mean when it comes to walking yourself to work and observing a plant in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And what are the benefits that you could actually get from that? You know, it's it's almost, again, kind of reading between the lines and finding those rituals and finding, you know, ways to kind of slow down. It's It's a lot more about like mindfulness than it is about 
having an object mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or if you have an object thinking about it a little bit more deeply yeah so, i was, was going to say you yeah. know ha having having and just talking about plants specifically having plants has made me more mindful to plants you know I, for the longest time i didn't have any plants in my house i could give a shit i don't i could care less i care about eating them that's about it and <laughs> then i was going past this nursery and they were having a sale and i got like what, three different plants um, and I, I put it in the house and like first of all the house looks much better having you know pops of green around and they're cool looking but number two like it's just it's nice having them around I, it's hard for me to explain but I like having plants around I don't know why they're different to me than um, you know like a great piece of art even though they, you know, in their, they are art in their own right but they have this positive energy that they constantly give off and I just started getting a few more I, I sprouted my own avocado seeds which I'm very proud of oh that's fun <laughs> yeah um no avocados yet because they're only about a oh foot tall. that'll that'll yeah. take that'll that I, may I never like happen 50 years right <laughs> yeah um, that may never happen especially if you're growing it indoors right right and you need like a male and female also but yeah I, it's like it's having them has made me more mindful to plants which is weird because you know I'm a a plant-based nutritionist and I'm very mindful to, pl to plants in that way I just I'm never really that mindful to plants just having them around. Um, so going off of what you said, I think that having them makes you more mindful of them, not just in your own house, but even when I'm out now, I notice them more and I'll you know, remark on them uh, in nature more now. Yeah, I mean, I think they're living creatures. Um, mm -hmm. They don't, you know, move or, or act or, you know, in, probably think in the same way that we mm -hmm. do. You know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm using the, the word think very broadly right. here. But um, but but that is kind of part of the appreciation of them. And I do think that so much of it, you know, I'm a nutritionist as well. And I think so much of it really, you know, is just connecting the dots with things. Um, you know, it's so funny. I have a, a rescue chicken and uh, she eats certain plants and um, and maiden hair ferns are something that's really beautiful, very hard for a lot of people to keep. But uh, she loves mm -hmm. eating them. And um, and then somebody had commented, I believe somebody from Asia and said, oh, well, your chicken's really smart. We use it as medicine out here. And I was thinking, oh, that's so funny because, you know, we you, you know, we use plants, but, mm -hmm. you know, plants develop these qualities because they've been here for millennia way longer than us and they've developed these qualities whether it's a scent like if you think about basil or if you think about geraniums or if you think about like lemon verbena a lot of these things that we cook with and we're like "Ooh, this smells good mm -hmm. did was it there to make us want to eat it you know mm -hmm. Probably not. You know, those scents might be there to prevent herbivory of insects, or it might actually encourage us to actually eat it so that we, you know, are able to produce the seeds and get them, you know, in the soil and, and have more of those plants. So I think that there is there is such a wonderful connection there. Um, you know, the colors that plants give off, you know, why they give off certain colors, um, you know, um, the anthocyanins, which, you know, are in part like such great nutritional benefits, you know, to us are also used in plants in order to be able to protect them from sun or to protect them from um, uh, as they're like new leaves are coming out and they don't have developed like a, a good cuticular layer. There's mm -hmm. so many things that are just like really to me fascinating and, and curious but maybe i'm just like geeking out over it but it's all very interconnected yeah i think i think once you know i mean 
let's be honest, most people look at a plant and they just see, you know, green leaves and that's about it. But as soon as they start realizing all the intricacies of them, I think anybody would be fascinated by it. Um, because there are a lot of, I mean, even though, like you said, they're not these, you know, what we think of as conscious animals, um, they do have a lot of, there are a lot of kind of similarities in the way that they've developed alongside of the animal world, which I find fascinating also. Um, and big shout out to Kippy, your rescue hen. Um, wh- what do you do with her when you are going to go on the book tour? Do you have like a, a hen sitter? Oh, I just like, I'm leaving tomorrow actually. And, um, and for a few days and I, so I take care of seven others at the local senior citizen service center. So I volunteer there like three times a day, but uh-huh. we have like a lack of volunteers. So, um, so yeah, I have to leave her there and she is miserable about that. But, um, but I usually take her there during the day to interact with the other chickens. And then I, t- you know, I take care of them. I feed uh-huh. them. I water, I like water them. I like clean up their poop, all sure. the very pedestrian acts of like, <laughs> of just like chicken life. But, right. um, but yeah, I have to leave her there and have to rely on the other volunteers to take care of her, which is like, you know, and no one ever takes better care of you than your mother. Of course. <laughs> and I'm sure you feel the same way about your plants also, right? Oh uh, yeah. What's, what's the longest you've been away for? Um, I would say with the amount of plants that I have now, probably six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good you know, I time. had a yeah, I had a long trip to Asia, but I had hired um, somebody. There's a number of plant shops around here, and I hire like professionals. But oh, cool. actually, one of my Calathea zebrinas, which was a beautiful specimen, um, I have to fight a little bit of the mealy bugs, which are these cottony white insects that like suck the juices out mm-hmm. of plants. Mm-hmm. I definitely have a little bit of a mealy. B- bug issue so you have to really keep them at bay and uh this one had gotten attacked by mealybugs and my the person caretaking my my plants was just like so upset about the whole uh, situation and i was like don't be upset you know you win some you lose some <laughs> so and that brings in a whole another thing about bugs right some are <laughs> some are beneficial some are destructive i mean do you just have just bugs hanging out well, I think that, um, you know, people had asked me for six years, I think I lived like more of a blissful state of never having any kind of pestiferous insects. And when people asked me about having bugs in my home, I didn't know whether they meant having a, a an insect pest on your plant or just like having bugs in general, because mm-hmm. people associate like flying insects with plants. It sure. wasn't it, it's still not clear to me to this day of, is that if that's what people mean, but um, but yes, when you start to collect more house plants, um, especially if you have larger amounts, you you basically are creating a little microcosm, a little ecosystem mm-hmm. for yourself, and chances are eventually you're going to get some type of pestiferous insect, whether it's like aphids or thrips or spider mites, which are not insects, but um, I'll just classify them sure. as just general pests, uh, mealybug scale, whatever that kind of stuff. Those are like some of the really common houseplant pests. I kind of, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that I embrace it, but like part of it is, you know, just the part of having a lot of like plants as even mm-hmm. if somebody had a, like a greenhouse or a garden outside, I actually bring in integrated pest management. So like integrated pest management is actually using beneficial insects, mm-hmm. um, which people do like, of course, we always hear of like ladybugs outside and a number mm-hmm. of other things. I don't like releasing ladybugs in my house for a number of different reasons, <laughs> but I do bring in these types of neuropterans, which are green lacewing larvae, and they uh, are so voracious. Yeah, we have a and, bunch of those here also. 
Yes, and yeah. they're they're native to North America, mm-hmm. and they have really they're very beautiful as adults, and um, and they are great generalist predators. And people are always like a little bit skeeved out about insects. I was like, <laughs> I studied entomology. I loved bugs since I was like a kid, and I know that's like really weird, but like. Um, they never wronged me. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I always try to share with people. And I think, um, you know, like on my YouTube channel and uh, like where I share more practical information, it's just like, you know, um, it, they just do the work for you while you're not. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love that. And it is a little bit more of an investment, but it's part of what comes with the territory with having plants. And I, I do have to say, I was probably like, the first person to have used integrated pest management and like shared it on like in my indoor environment. And I have to say that so many people have like really jumped on board to that. Really? And like really, yeah. And really got over their fear of bugs. I'm like, look, they're not going to wind up in your bed. Like right. it's kind of like when the hors d'oeuvres come out um, at a conference, like after you <laughs> went to a swarms. conference and yeah, everybody swarms, you know, the poor guys and girls who are bringing out the hors d'oeuvres cause you haven't eaten for like mm-hmm. four or five hours. That's how these insects are. They, they don't live very long. They need to eat in order to fulfill their life cycle. So they're not going to be winding up like hanging out with you, you know, in the bed or like eating, right. eating you know, your dinner, like right next to you. Right. <laughs> So does so, does Kippy go after the insects? No, she really goes after the plants. So ah. I have to be careful with the ones that she likes to nibble on. Um, you know, she she loves, like I said, maiden hair ferns. She loves my maranta, my calathea. She even mowed over my diffenbachia, which for people who are um, plant people, they'll know that diffenbachia has these calcium oxalate crystals that are very... Uh, it's called dumb cane. It's like very toxic to kids huh. and dogs and cats. Um, but my chicken ate like my whole Diffenbachia and it had no effect on her. So I'm, I'm like, kind of like, well, maybe in the long term, but, um, <laughs> for right now, you know, I've had her for two years and she's, she's pretty okay. Awesome. Um, so let's, let's get some other, I have a couple other, um, just curiosity questions for you before mm. we get back to the book. What, how old is your oldest plant? Oh, well, I don't know how old it is, but I brought in my ficus lyrata, which is my first plant that I brought in here. And it's, you know, 10, it's 10 years old now, but uh, it was maybe three or four feet high. So mm-hmm. it's unclear to me as to like what the age was before that. Years. Yeah. I've had it for 10 years. Is that and, your favorite you know, plant? No, I, I like, I have a preference for Peperomia, which are these really small diminutive plants that are typically found in like the understories. They grow as epiphytes, which means they grow on like other trees and oh, things cool. like that. Yeah. Typically in Central and South America, you uh-huh. find them great, great house plants though, because they're, they're usually small and they can fit in small places. So when you're traveling, do you try to bring plants back? I have, without, without but typically, <laughs> but that is, um, you know, plants, bringing plants from a different country right. is like either like bringing guns or right. drugs. It's like in the same, you know, <laughs> same bucket, sure. unfortunately. But um, I do have the licenses to actually bring plants back, but oh, wow. it's still like, it's still arduous in order to be able to do that. Um, and a, a lot of times I, you know, work with like some botanical gardens and they'll get some really interesting pieces in and, um, and I could take cuttings that is, I don't know if, you know, people are listening who are like in European countries, uh-huh. but the European union actually 
you know, signed into law that you actually can't even take, you know, cuttings unless you know um, and have approval from the country of origin because they signed, um, you know, kind of an international treaty that the U.S. didn't sign. So mm. unfortunately, that's really restricted, um, you know, plant trade and growing plants outside of, uh, you know, it's it's put on some hand. I understand why those sure. those things have gotten into place. But like, I feel sorry because it would have really restricted um, growing even more um, in those countries. Huh. Well, yeah, there, we do have a lot of listeners in uh, the UK specifically, but all across Europe. Um, so, yeah. So important information there. Do you have any plants that bear food or is, are they strictly plants? Plant plants? Um, no, 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 no. I have plants that, that bear food. And actually, I moved most of my food production um, outside into my community garden plot. So that's really, you know, lovely to be able to do that. I planted um, two pawpaw trees so they could cross pollinate. And um, and I have like plenty of like kale. And I have this really cool cultivated variety of raspberry that actually sprawls on the ground huh. as opposed to one that actually grows as a prickly bush. Right. Um, you know, strawberries, I have a lot of herbs like lemon verbena, lavender, uh, Russian sage, uh, Korean mint, uh, chocolate mint. Um, I planted hibiscus where you could actually, you know, uh, take the little bits and like make them into tea. I have like so many different types of little tomatoes. Um, yeah, I planted, I planted some like forageable food as well in this back area that nobody had wanted to plant because it was so dark, but uh, the, the darkness, like the understory of the forest, like in the Northeast is something where I grew up. So I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, people just don't know how to plant this. Sure. So I went and planted like may apples and service berries and lignin berries and cornice, which is uh, dogwood and Circus canadensis. All of those things could actually be harvested. Parts of those plants could actually be harvested in some way, shape or form. And I think that's really marvelous. I even actually planted, um, Stropharia rugulosium, uh, which is a, a King Stropharia mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And because of all the rain, we had such a flush, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, hundreds of pounds of mushrooms in oh this back area. And just for four weeks, I was just like surfeit with like, m with mushrooms. And these King Stropharia are just like so wonderfully tasty. Mm -hmm. I I've never tasted anything like them. They kind of are like a little bit more like a, um, a, 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 a less starchy potato with an oh. after aftertaste of walnut. Really? And yeah, and they have a lot of like meat to them. So they're kind of like portobellos, but Oof. you got to get the moisture out of them. So sauteing them for like maybe six, seven, eight minutes. Um, and then I used a little bit of tamari sauce. Mm -hmm. I don't think they take olive oil very well or butter garlic kind of very well. They take olive oil fine, but butter or garlic, they don't kind of take very well, but the like a tamari sauce or something oh god it, it was like it was it's probably now like one of my <laughs> next to my takis it's probably one of my favorite mushrooms I'm, I'm big on mushrooms and actually have you know i have actually have a friend who goes foraging for um uh, lobster mushrooms up in oh northern i was gonna Arizona. say i was like oh maybe chanterelles i was yeah, like oh <laughs> lobsters are great um yeah. your, your neighbors must love you I think like, I think, well, I have to tell you that the people in the community garden were like fearful. Like the fact that I was like collecting the mushrooms, they, they like had fear in their eyes because uh -huh. they, I don't know. It's like this, this, the unknowing, like the unknowing of like, oh, that 
could maybe kill you or the idea of like maybe mushrooms are bad or that 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 kind of depiction that they have of like a toadstool so i kind of see more of like whereas like mushrooms are not just like again great for you know certain uh, mushrooms are not great for just edibles Mm -hmm. but like the fact that all the mycorrhizae or that kind of like root like system of the mushrooms like really hold the ecosystem intact mm-hmm. and are able to get more carbohydrates and more, or sorry, more nutrients like shuttling to the plants and the plants could then feed the mushrooms carbohydrates. Right. And this, you have this really unique symbiosis happening underground and making your plants healthier. And, um, and I think that it's just part of like, again, meeting people where they're at and like informing them. And, right. you know, now some of the new gardeners are like super stoked about this, like flush of mushrooms. And they're like, oh my God, we should, you know, get shiitakes now. And <laughs> which you have to, you have to grow shiitakes in a, in a much different way. Uh-huh. You have to do them as like plugs in a, in, in, in wood versus on wood chips, right. like the strafari are just kind of like spread out on wood chips. But then I also have these morels that I'm like dying to use. But, um, but, uh, somebody told me that you probably need a little bit more wood ash in order to, mm. for them to be able to like sprout up. But I, I, you know, I forged for morels and that, that's another like favorite of mine, but of course they're, they're, uh, they're premium, <laughs> premium yeah. shrooms. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I was talking to this guy. I don't know if you've heard of his name before. His name's, uh, Jeff Chilton. He's like the mushroom expert. Um, and he sent me a picture of his, I don't know what you'd call it, mushroom shed. And it's mm-hmm. just this, this oh, wood yeah. shed. And it's just got thousands mushrooms of mushrooms. And it's mushrooms and mushrooms, yeah. Lay, like, like rows and rows right. of mushrooms. It's fascinating growing. to me. Yeah. It's fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Yeah, I, I took, um, I, I think I wanted, I wanted to go to school for mycology for a while, which is a study of mushrooms. And I took this amazing class at Cornell University called Magical Mushrooms, Mysterious Molds. <laughs> oh, God. I like, I really came to life in that class. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, but it's just like those little things, like the creepy crawlies, the things that are really insignificant, that are so significant to this world. Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that really like light a fire in me. Yeah, and and again, people don't know what they don't know, you know. And as soon as they Mm -hmm. learn about that kind of stuff, I think anybody in the right mind would be fascinated. It's like, you know, when you look up at the sky and you see just a bunch of white lights at night, you know, I don't know if you can see them in Brooklyn, but here you can see the stars and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of see it as a whole, you know, it's hard to see the forest for the trees. So once you get up yeah. close and personal, you start studying it. It's this whole other world within your world. Um, yeah. which is, which is pretty cool. Um, getting back to the book real quick. Yeah. Um, it, it says, you know, somebody reads the book. Um, what's the one thing that you want somebody to take away from, from reading this? Because, you know, you, you do have, you know, a guide to, you know, cultivating, your own green space, picking a plant that's right for you, picking a plant that's right for the space and all that kind of stuff. But overall kind of, you know, overarching, what's, what do you want people to walk away with? I think some of the themes throughout the book. And like I said, you know, this is much about as much about plants as it is like as much about like cultivating your relationships with other people. But one of the things that I really want people to take away is that you create the community that you want to live in. Hmm. And not just what you want your house to look like, but outside of your four walls. Mm -hmm. And that's the important message. I think that's what kind of intact ecosystems show us, that plants actually create the community that best allow them to thrive, not only as individuals, but as an intact community. And, you know, I see the work that I do you know, every day, like you can go out there and be 
a positive force in someone's life. You know, even if it's just one person's life, you know, that is a remarkable experience mm -hmm. and it gives you this positive feedback loop. I think that's why I try to give so much back to the community. I mean, sometimes it could be an exhausting thing and then you have to kind of pull yourself back and be mindful of your own, um, if it's too strenuous on you and all that other kind of stuff. So it goes back to your own like wellness as well. And sometimes I recoil and say, okay, you know, even today I was like, I think I'm like pushing a little bit too hard. I just need to recoil a little bit and stop this. Like I, I could, I could do these things, you know, after I return back mm -hmm. from my trip. Mm -hmm. um, so those things are really important, but really that takeaway is you create the community that you want to live in. It doesn't come to you you have to create it. Don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. <laughs> uh, so tell people where they can find the book when it comes out. This is actually, by the time people are hearing it, it should be out already. Uh, middle of July, yes. I believe. Yes, um, it's July It's July 9th okay. um, that it comes out. And I do have to say for all the people who are plant lovers, which I'm sure there's a lot of plant lovers who listen to your podcast, mm -hmm. um, just on the title alone. But I am coordinating something called the Plant Shop pub crawl and pub is short for Ooh, publication okay. and anybody who takes in their book to a designated plant shop and we have over a hundred plant shops across nine countries that are participating um, and they could find the designated plant shops on my blog at homesteadbrooklyn.com okay. and I'll be Instagramming it as well but they could get 15% off their orders and this is like a way to obviously support the book but to also support the amazing local and independent plant shops and garden centers and nurseries that are out there in the world. So this has obviously become a lot larger than just my book. And like so many of the plant shops are so enthusiastic about this. And I think that this is just a, a, a wonderful way to like kind of build a movement. And I'll mm -hmm. probably end up like carrying the plant shop pub crawl idea onwards, you know, even past like the book, because I think it's just a great way to um, showcase amazing like mom and pop and local shops all around the world and get people to um, go there and appreciate some more plants. Fantastic. And, and if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? They can find me at Homestead Brooklyn on Instagram and then on my YouTube channel. It's my name, Summer Rain Oaks. And um, and the you could also search Plant One on me. That's my my um, playlist, my channel name. Okay. Uh, congratulations on the book. It's your second book. Thank yeah. you. It's my fourth, actually. Fourth? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I did, uh, like, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot out there. Well, congratulations on the, <laughs> thank the most you. recent one. Uh, and th <laughs> thank, thank you for being on. And I uh, hope we can talk again soon. Oh, same here. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Summer. All right, my friends. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed. And until next week, go eat a salad. <laughs>